This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. So good to see everybody. This is the first time I've seen any of you this year. And uh, we had a wonderful holiday season. Hope you did too. Saw a lot of family that we hadn't seen in a while, and some of them that was a blessing, some of them not so much. Uh, Maybe I picked a dry eraser the first time that I worked. I'm going to write a name up here, and then I'm going to ask uh, some of the male breath. I'm going to ask the male brothers to raise their hand if they know who this is without Googling it. Raise your hand if you know who that is. Right? Joseph. I wonder how you do that. The one person that I told about my flowers last night. That was his Egyptian name. I uh, downloaded a new Bible app at the beginning of this year. I have not ever found one that I really could get into and I could listen to very long and just stay in it. And I found one that I really like. I've shared with several people. And uh, I'm really excited about it. And this is the 16th of January, and I'm in the eighth chapter of Exodus. So it's going really well. I'm excited about it. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to continue on and not get distracted. And uh, but anyway, when I got to the story of Joseph, I was very intrigued, so intrigued by the details that I've never picked up on before that I've listened to the story three times. And uh, that's what we're going to look at for a little while this morning. It's the story of Joseph. The story begins in Genesis chapter 30, verse 22. It says, Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God has removed my disgrace, she said, and she named him Joseph. For she said, may the Lord add yet another son to my family. So Rachel had been wanting children for a long time, and the Lord had closed her womb up. And uh, he had allowed her husband's first wife, Leah, to have children, but Rachel could not have children. It was a very, very big sore point in their relationship and in their life. There was a lot of pain and sorrow there, which is a previous story that we won't talk about today. But uh, we're gonna start right here with with her having a son named Joseph. And the name Joseph just means God adds or may he add. He was the 11th son of Jacob and the elder of two sons of Rachel. And uh, he had a little brother later on named Benjamin. Now we're not going to read all of these chapters. We're going to skim through here and we're going to look at some some points. Um, But you could basically uh, divide Joseph's life into five phases. The first one being that uh, he was born born and he was the beloved firstborn of uh, Jacob and Rachel. And that uh, two... um, Later on, he uh, ended up at Potiphar's house in Egypt, spent some time in prison, became the governor of Egypt, and then had a fabulous family reunion. So his life could be divided, pretty much summed up into those five areas. And we're going we're gonna to go through here and look at, look at this. So, chapter 37 is where... The story of Joseph really begins at the age of 17. So he's a teenager. I apologize. I've already got one asleep over here. I'll try to pep it up a little bit. 
Dalton told me, he, we had a rough life, rough night. Matter of fact, I don't know about you, brother, but every time it comes my time to preach, it seems like that just a few days before Satan attacks me. And Wednesday, the wheels fell off this chariot, I guarantee you. And uh, this is not what I was originally planning on speaking on. But I just couldn't it, I just couldn't get it together, the, what I originally planned on speaking on. And, uh, but we persevered through it, and Satan will be defeated. We're going to preach the sermon this morning. And, uh, Amen. So, but anyway, last night, middle of the night, I just got to sleep. My wife woke me up. Mercy vehicles, ambulance, police cars were across the street at the neighbor's house again. Over the over the past years, it's not uncommon. And uh, <clears throat> our neighbor's wife, she her her mental her her health, especially her mental health, has deteriorated over the past few years. She even attacked Cindy, my wife, uh, last year verbally. But anyway, during the nights last night, she attacked her husband, and he ended up having to call the ambulance and put her in the hospital she's going to have to get some mental health he's been trying to encourage her to do it on her own and she wouldn't do it so a couple hours during the night last night that was going on and uh, anyway been fighting this cold as you can still tell it's i'm still having after effects of that but anyway not to get distracted by that y'all better with me we'll get through this so if you have brothers and sisters or you have parents this story about Joseph is for you because Joseph had a lot of older brothers and they did not like him to make a long story short his older brothers hated him because Jacob favored him and that was a big mistake on Jacob's part, Jacob and Rachel. You cannot, under any circumstances, show favoritism to any of your children. And that is very hard not to do. I have six of them, and I know how hard that is not to do. But they didn't make any bones about it. Evidently, it was something that was just out in the open. And so it really put Joseph in a tough spot in his relationship with his family because of that preferential treatment that he received. And so his... Because it was so bad, his older brothers hated him. And that's where it all started. So, he was a shepherd boy, worked out in the fields. And uh, from what I gather, usually he was not sent very far away. He was pretty much close to home. And his dad, they loved on him and doted on him so much they were afraid to send him very far away. And, um, but the older brothers, they get sent further out and spent nights out with other herds away from home. His older brothers, evidently, they, uh, they got into a lot of trouble and they, they, their conduct wasn't always very good. But Joseph did not participate in his older brother's misconduct. In fact, he tattled on them a lot. And that was another reason why they hated him because they, he tattled on them. And so there was just this constant strife between Joseph and his older brothers uh, for multiple reasons. They just did not get along. They couldn't stand each other. More so, their older brothers couldn't stand. I know what I was going to say. On the way here, Dalton, uh, he said, I'm going to try to stay, stay awake during your sermon. I said, that's no problem. If I see you dozing off, I'll just call your name out real loud. That's where I'm going with that one. <laughs> I don't think he liked that idea. <laughs> so, his brothers hated him. They couldn't even talk to him very well because of their hatred for Joseph. Could you imagine getting up every day in your family and you're so hated that your siblings won't even hardly talk to you? I mean, that, that just I just can't even fathom that, that uh, to get up every day in your household and to be cast aside literally ignored by your older brothers and sisters because they hated you so much. So this 17-year-old young man, this is what he is dealing with on a day-in and day-out basis. And then these older brothers, they're having to deal with their youngest brother who's a tattletale and gets all this preferential treatment. And so you can see here, this is not a very good recipe. It's a recipe, all right. It's a recipe for disaster, and that's exactly what happens. His dad, 
Jacob uh, made him a real special coat. Very famously, everybody knows that uh, he got a coat of many colors. So he went on and on about that to his brothers. Look here what I've got. And so just another thing, piled on top of everything else that his brothers hated him for because he got a special coat that they never got. And then one day, to top it all off, he had this dream. And then he had another dream. So he had two dreams, and they were so vivid, and he could remember them so well that he just, you know, have you ever had a dream that <clears throat> was so vivid and so real and you just couldn't get off your mind and you had to just share it with somebody? Have you ever had that happen where you just had a dream you just wanted to share it with them? Well, these dreams were so real to Joseph that he just had to share them. And he shared them with his brothers. They weren't as excited for him as he was about the dream. Because the dreams uh, showed his brothers in the first one bowing down to him. They didn't like that very well. And then the second one showed, uh, showed not only his brothers, but his parents bowing down to him, everyone bowing down to him in the whole, the whole universe, pretty much. So they didn't like him for that. So at this point, their hatred for him had grown to a point that they started to plot how to get rid of him, to eradicate this boil in their life. And they were kind of in a catch-22 because their daddy doted on him and loved him so much that they didn't know how to get rid of him and, and be able to still survive the wrath of their dad. And so, finally, <clears throat> the opportunity came at Dothan. Uh, Jacob sent Jonathan to check on his brothers where they'd been keeping the, sh uh, the flock there. And well, they seen him coming, and they planned to kill him. But Reuben, one of his older brothers, uh, he wasn't so gung-ho about this, <clears throat> this and he... He kept trying to persuade him not to kill him. And so finally he, he convinced his brothers not to kill Joseph. And instead they sold him uh, to some Ishmaelites uh, as a slave. And they were on their way to Egypt. <clears throat> and that's how Joseph ended up in Egypt was his brothers sold him to some traitors that were on their way to Egypt. And so they sold their brother. Could you imagine hating one of your siblings so bad? that you sold him as a slave. That's, that's a pretty severe hatred right there. So, Joseph's life was changed in a moment from being the beloved son to the slave in an unknown land, Egypt. And so just like that, he went out, his dad sent him out, he went out to do his dad's errand, check on, check on the older brothers and make sure everything was okay. Evidently, they'd been gone a little longer than he expected and he didn't, he didn't want to send him out there. He was a little hesitant to send Joseph to start with. So he did. And Joseph didn't come back. So the brothers sold him. Then they have to make up a lie to tell the dad, Joseph, Jacob, what happened. So they, they killed an animal, soaked his coat of many colors in blood, brought it home, tore it up a little bit, and said, we found this, a wild animal. The only thing we can figure out is a wild animal must have killed Joseph. And so Jacob is just beside himself in grief. <clears throat> Can't hardly be comforted. He's just so beside himself. So now these brothers, they have this dark secret, don't they? And Joseph, he's far from home, treated like he's never been treated before. He has always been treated, spoiled, treated. And now he's been treated like he's the scum of the earth by everybody that he encounters. So when they get to Egypt, he went on the auction block, Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard, bought Joseph. And so that's how Joseph ends up at Potiphar's house in Genesis chapter 39. So, when Joseph was taken to Egypt and purchased by Potiphar, where was the Lord? It says in verse 2 that the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. 
He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. So, it wasn't long, and Joseph, his situation gets a whole lot better quickly because the Lord's with him. So, even though Joseph is going through this tough time in his life, the Lord is still with him. Any of y'all ever go through any tough times in your life? Whether it's relationship-wise or circumstance-wise, since we're in this time, the wheels fall off your chariot and where's the Lord when you go through those when we when we go through those times in our life where's the Lord he's where he's always been he's right there he's right there just because we go through hard times in our life doesn't mean that the Lord has abandoned us or forsaken us and it's so hard to remember that it's so hard to remember that so Joseph was blessed well, Potiphar's wife uh, offered Joseph some things that belonged to Potiphar that uh, were his, and uh, Joseph refused it, the gifts that were offered to him, and it made her mad, and so she falsely accused him to Potiphar, and he had no choice but to take her word for these false accusations over Joseph's, and he got thrown into prison. So now Joseph finds himself at a low in his life again in prison. So his life is just like ours so far. It's got highs and it's got lows. And you never know what's around the corner from one minute to the next. But the one constant that we'll find through this message is that there is one constant in our life that never moves. And Joseph finds this out. So even though Joseph was a good administrator, he was word hard, he was hardworking and a faithful servant. God was with him and he prospered at everything he did and he was successful. And God blessed his master through him. And Potiphar entrusted him with everything. Still circumstances. Just like that, changed his circumstances for it. Now he finds himself in prison. Because of his, his fear of the Lord, he never, ever, through it all, never forgot the Lord and that the Lord was with him. Not one time through this all do we find that Joseph thought for one second that God had forsaken him. Through it all, God was who he turned to for his strength. Through all of these low points in his life, he knew that God was there with him. And that was one of the reasons why he was so successful because he always never turned his back to God. He kept his eyes on God and gave him the praise and the glory for everything good in his life. Through, through thick and thin, didn't ever forget whose he was. So he's in prison. So one day, he starts to be noticed by the, the guy over the prison, <clears throat> the warden. Warden starts to notice. And so Joseph helps the warden uh, have have great success in what they did. And Joseph flourished in prison. Well, one day, after the jailer, the warden had gave him charge of all the prisoners, um, the chief butler and the, uh, the baker, they displeased Pharaoh somehow or another, and they ended up in prison. And uh, so they were in there, and 
they both had a dream one night. And uh, they, were, they were distraught. They were beside themselves because they couldn't understand what these vivid dreams meant. They, they could remember the dreams very vividly and they knew that they must be important dreams, but they couldn't figure out what they meant. And so they, Joseph could tell there was something wrong with them and he asked them, hey, what's the matter, guys? And they said, man, we had these dreams and they're just really burdening us and we don't know what they mean. And uh, Joseph was able to tell them, well, God can interpret dreams if you'll tell them to me. I'll see if I can tell you what they mean. So I'm sure they were skeptical, but they told Joseph their dreams and Joseph told them what they meant because God gave them the ability to do that. And uh, Joseph just asked one little favor of the, of the butler because the butler was so thankful of Joseph's interpretation of his dream that in three days he was going to be restored back as the chief butler to the, to the Pharaoh and once again be his cupbearer. And he was so grateful. And Joseph said, just do me one little thing. He said, remember me to Pharaoh. Because I am him here and I'm not, I shouldn't be here in prison and I'm not guilty. If you'll mention me to Pharaoh. And he said, sure, I sure will. And sure enough, in three days, uh, he was restored. Um, unfortunately, the baker, uh, his plight was not so good. Uh, he, his head was removed and the, and the birds plucked the, the meat from his bones hanging on a tree. But the Cutbearer, the butler, he was restored and he forgot Joseph. He forgot that he promised Joseph, I'll, I'll remember you to the Pharaoh when I'm restored. For two years, he forgot Joseph. Never thought about him. For two years. So Joseph, here he is in prison, probably every day, just wondering at any minute, is Pharaoh going to show up because the butler mentioned to him my plight? Am I going to be released tomorrow or the next day? And I'm, that went on for two years. And finally, Pharaoh had a dream that he couldn't understand, and it really messed him up. His, it, it bothered him greatly. He, he had trouble sleeping afterwards. Because of the two dreams that he had. And so he was trying to get all the magicians and the, his key people to to interpret these dreams for him because they were really messing with him. And nobody could tell him. And he was very angry. And then finally the butler, oh yeah, I remember two years ago, there was this kid down there in prison and he interpreted the dream that I would be reinstated in your, in your uh, employee. And he told me exactly how it was gonna go and it happened exactly that way. And so Pharaoh get him up here. So they went and got Joseph and cleaned him up, and cut his hair and got him decent and got him up there before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh told him, uh, can you, I, I hear that you can interpret dreams. He's like, no, I can't, but God can. So once again, he didn't forget to give the praise and the glory to God. He gave God the credit. He didn't take the credit for it. Once again. Oh, how easy it is in our life. Take the credit for the good things that happen to us. I find myself wanting to take the credit for everything good that happens. And that's not how we succeed in life, especially in the kingdom of God, is by giving ourselves glory and credit. We give God the praise and glory for everything good in our life, no matter how big or small. Joseph never forgot that. I admire him for that. But anyway, so Pharaoh tells Joseph these dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams and tells him that there's going to be seven years of plenty, and then after that there's going to be seven years of drought. There won't be any, there won't be any harvesting of any, any corn in this whole land, in the whole world. And so you need to set somebody up to be an administrator over collecting and storehousing all the grain that can possibly be produced and stored over these, these seven years coming up of plenty so that there be enough food to get us through that seven years of drought. And so Pharaoh's like, okay, so let's, let's, let's get somebody that can handle that job and task. And he looked around and he's like, mm, 
how about you? <laughs> and so Joseph like, okay. So Joseph goes to work. And the Bible doesn't go into detail what he did and how he did that. But you can go watch a seven-minute Ron Wyatt clip on YouTube and you see exactly what he did because archaeologists have uncovered what he did, what he had done. You know how we have these uh, big, tall granaries throughout the heartland of the country? Silos, grain silos, where they store grain in them. They're above the ground. They stick way up like skyscrapers. And uh, they store, they, they're, they're grain elevators. They elevate corn and wheat into the top of them things and they fill them up and they store grain in them today. Well, Pharaoh, I mean, uh, Joseph, he went the opposite direction. He went down into the ground and he built grain silos in the ground. And he built a network of these pits that all fed into one master pit. And so as the grain was distributed out of this one central There was minor ones around it that fed into this one, into this main one right here. This one had stairs, stairs going down into it all the way to the bottom. And so, and he built a wall around this whole thing. He built the first, had the first pyramid in Egypt built right here on this compound. So there was this huge compound built and these granaries were inside this that had very tall walls around it. You could not get in it. And there was a real narrow door entering this compound that pretty much limited it to one person at a time entering that, that, that facility. And as you entered that facility, there was a long corridor and on each side of that corridor, there was a little cubicle set up where you walked up to the next, like nowadays, if you go to the bank, you, you stand in line and, and then when it, you're, you're in a kind of a roped off area or whatever, and then, or the pharmacy, and they'll say next, and you step up to the next available uh, person that's waiting on, on you, and you say, I need my prescription filled, or I need to deposit this, or whatever. Well, they had a system like that where, the next, where you, you stood there in line, and when there was a, one of those attendants in one of those little booths that was available to help the next person, they'd say next, and they would escort you in there, and you sat down, and you said, I need to purchase this much grain. And so they would give you however many sacks that was worth, and they'd give you those empty sacks, and then you went on down to the corridor, and you went out into this complex, and you took your sacks to whoever was responsible for getting that grain out of there, and they would go down in there and fill your sacks, bring them back up to you, hand you your sacks, and there was a little bitty exit, guarded exit. And you went out that exit on a lower level from where you came in. So there was a very narrow entrance coming in and a very specific narrow exit going out of this facility. So it was very guarded, very tight security. And for seven years, all the grain was dispatched out of that facility. And you can see it uh, on that archaeological uh, YouTube video on Ron Wyatt. It's very interesting. Very smart, very smart young man, what he did. Very, very smart. He tells it God gave him that ability and he knew it. And he never forgot that. But he engineered something that would be even phenomenal for engineers to develop nowadays, how it all worked together uh, with no moving parts, just gravity flow. It's very interesting. So, moving on. <clears throat> So, seven years, drought, no rain. The, the climate change people were going nuts. <laughs> because there was no rain. The world was coming to an end because of global warming. Oh, I just thought about that when I was reading this. You know, the global, the global warming people were going nuts a few generations earlier because the the earth was completely covered in water 22 feet above the highest point. <laughs> and uh, 
but they didn't have to wait long because they, 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 they went on the boat. But anyway, here we are again, several years, several generations later, and the climate people are going nuts again because there's no rain. Some things never change, do they? So all people have to do is look at this book and know that who's in charge of the climate, don't they? So, Joseph is here working, doing his job. How much time did he spend about thinking about his brothers and folks back at home while he's doing this job? He's very involved with what he's doing. He's working. He's got a very important job that he's been tasked with and he's working, he's committed to it. And so for seven plus another seven, for 14 years here in Joseph's life, Probably not a whole lot of his time, I'm thinking, spent worrying about his plight in life that he didn't ask to be where he's at. And he's a he's an innocent victim. He probably didn't spend a lot of time thinking about that. How much time did his family think about him, wondering where he was at? I'm sure his brothers, I'm sure it crossed their mind. Hey, I wonder, I wonder what Joseph's doing down there. I wonder what ended up happening to him. But they didn't know. Well, this drought affected Canaan, where his brothers were. And they got sent by Jacob to go down there to Egypt and get corn. So Jacob sent his brothers down there to Egypt to get corn with money. And so they get down there and guess who? Sees them and recognizes them. Joseph. Recognizes his brothers coming. Obviously, they don't recognize him. He don't look nothing like that 17-year-old shepherd boy that they threw in that pit and sold. By this time, Joseph has also learned another language. He speaks Egyptian fluently. And uh, so now he's bilingual in Hebrew and Egyptian language. And so he doesn't speak Hebrew when his brothers show up, he speaks in Egyptian and there was an interpreter that could understand Hebrew and Egyptian that translated everything. And What kind of emotion, what kind of emotion did Joseph go through, do you think, when he sees the, his brothers that hated him so bad that they threw him in a pit and then sold him into slavery, coming and asking him for food? Let me tell you, it seems like every time we have a big family get together, by the time it's over, um, there's, some, there's some relationship strains there. Maybe not out in the open, but inside. It's, it's difficult sometimes when you have a family to have pure thoughts toward all your family. And I'm sure that Joseph didn't have pure thoughts when he saw his brothers walking up there after what they'd done to him. I'm sure that was his first reaction was how dare. Just, just thinking about us from our point of view in our life, you know that more than likely the Bible doesn't say it says he was an emotional. But to see the people that hated him so bad that they sold him, his brothers, his family. <clears throat> they couldn't recognize him, but he knew them. And then he remembered the dream that he had as a boy that he was so excited to share with his family that made him hate him the more. He remembered that dream at this point. So whatever he was thinking when they walked up, that dream came into his mind and checked him. That dream came back to his mind and checked him. Don't know what he would have done if the dream hadn't come back into his mind, but that dream checked him. And he remembered. Now I know what that dream meant. This is exactly that dream I had when I was 17 years old, coming to be. Because there's my brothers laying on the ground in a prostrate position in front of me as governor of Egypt. Every one of them right there bowed down in front of me. 
And then he knew God had a plan. God had a plan all those years ago. So Joseph tested his brothers in different ways, verbally. and uh, They had no idea who he was, and so he was free to, to play these test games with them and just to see who they were now and find out information that he wanted to know about back home and about them. And so he watched them through... Uh, <clears throat> In Genesis 45, he, he, he walks them through these uh, scenarios of your spies. He accuses them of being spies. They deny it. We're not spies. Well, how do I know you're not spies? And so he, he grills them and gets information out of them through this process that his, his, his dad's still alive. His mother's passed, but his, his dad's still alive back home. And he's got a little, his little brother Benjamin is still there. So, he says, I'll sell you this grain. But to prove to me that you're not spies, I keep him wanting to hear hostage. And you're going to go back home and you're going to bring Benjamin back here. And I want to see him. And then if you bring Benjamin back here, I'll know that you're not spies. And I'll give I'll give your brother back. So they didn't like it, but they didn't have no choice. They left the brother there with Joseph. They got the grain. They headed home. Joseph had had their money put back on top of their sacks, and which would ensure them to to pretty much come back because now they're framed as thieves because their money's back in their sacks. So they get home and they tell Jacob what they found and everything, and he's just beside himself. Benjamin ain't going nowhere. I've done lost Joseph, and I ain't about to even think about losing Benjamin. Well, I believe it was Reuben told him, his dad, look, you don't really have a choice, and I promise you I'll protect this boy with my very life. And he's going to be safe. He's going to be okay. And so Jacob finally doesn't have any... any choice but to let him take Benjamin back to Egypt and they, by this point they needed more food anyway so sent him back with the original money that they had bought the grain with to start with and, and it got put back in their sacks plus more money to buy more grain and Benjamin so I don't know how long this journey took to journey up to the land of Canaan and back to Egypt but some time went by Joseph's had time to think about this <clears throat> I want to read <coughs> I want to read out of the NLT what Joseph's reaction was <coughs> his emotion Genesis chapter 45. Joseph could stand it no longer. There were, many, there were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Up until now, this is who he was to them. Zephaniah and Anna. That's all they knew him as. Now, he said, I'm your brother Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. <laughs> Talk about jaws dropping and hit the floor. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure this is one of those situations where that literally, instead of figuratively, almost happened. <clears throat> they were stunned 
to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now, hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there is still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. Look, Joseph said, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph. Evidently, there was a family resemblance there, since they both had the same parents. Go tell my father, my honored physician here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen, and then bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them, and after that, they began talking freely with him. Oh, what a beautiful thing it is when we have ought against someone, especially in our family, and we humble ourselves, and we ask for forgiveness. And harmony and peace is restored in our relationships, no matter what. Has anybody ever done to you what this boy had done to him by his family members? I've had some bad things done to me with my siblings and family members, and I'm sure you have too. Did it compare to this? Probably not. I just have things come up in my family life with my siblings sometimes that I just have a hard time getting past. That's Satan. Satan does not want us to live peaceably, to give God the glory and the praise for everything good in our life, no matter what our circumstances. <clears throat> what a beautiful thing it is when Satan's plans and plots are spoiled and God is glorified, just like in the story here. Jacob and all of his family come down to Egypt, and they dwell there in peace and comfort for the rest of that time and for the rest of Jacob's life. And it wasn't until many generations later that a new Pharaoh came into power long after Joseph was dead, that didn't know anything about all of this. I'm sure it was written down, but do you know when it? Do you know every detail that's written down in the archives of Washington about our forefathers here? Our, you know what's going on with our leaders and our, our presidents and people underneath them? No, we don't. We don't know. I'm sure that even smart man like President Trump doesn't even know a portion of what happened with the leaders ahead of him and, their, and the certain things that happened. And we know that our current president doesn't even know where he's at, much less what happened before him. Um, unfortunately, that's sad. But then we all know what happened after that. That for 400 to 430 years, the Israelite nation was slaves to the land of Egypt, to the, to the pharaohs there. And it wasn't until 400 to 430 years later that Moses finally led those people back out of there and headed back home with Canaan as their destination. And it would have just been a few days' journey had Israel not acted so humanistic. 
and let Satan turn that into a 40-year nightmare. Boy, Satan sure did it. Turning simple situations in our life into nightmares. We haven't even touched the surface at all the lessons that can be learned from the life of Joseph. Or maybe we've talked about enough to encourage you to go back and read it and study it for yourself. It really helped me in my life. It, it softened my heart in a lot of ways toward people in my life that have wronged me. It really softened my heart toward them. And uh, I, I'm glad about that. And so <clears throat> let's be very careful to always give God the praise and the glory and learn the lessons that Joseph learned in his life, such as God's plans and purpose are greater and better than ours. Always. God provides and blesses those who persevere to follow him through thick and thin, no matter what. Though painful it may seem, God has a plan for the suffering of his people. God can use the most difficult time of our life for his good. And are we not entering some difficult times in our life, finally in this country, for the first time in a long time? We don't know what's going to happen. We look at other countries around us and it's not good what people of God are having to go through in other countries. People in general. Some of that may get that bad here in the heartland. We're kind of protected here in the heartland, thank God, from a lot of what's going on, but it may not always last. We don't know what we're going to be going through. But we know that God has a plan, always has a plan. He's promised. He will never, ever forsake us or leave us, no matter what we're going through. <clears throat> Joseph teaches us the value of self-control in the temptation of the youth. Joseph was 17 years old. He was tempted with a lot of things. And he kept himself in subjection to God. He kept himself pure and holy. And some very, very appealing things were thrown his way. And he said no. He said no. Patience and perseverance in the time of troubles. Patience. Patience. Honesty, strong work ethics, even when they are not always rewarded. There's a lot of things that Joseph did that weren't rewarded. There was a lot of things he did that was rewarded. But he had a strong work ethic. And whether it was noticed or appreciated or not, he did it as unto the Lord. Everything he did. And then his fear of God, his respect of God, his reverence for God, and faithfulness to God never wavered. <clears throat> Did you know that the Old Testament is full of types and shadows? And that in the Joseph is kind of like, if you, if you break it down, it's kind of like a type of Christ. He was loved by his father. He was rejected by his brothers, his brethren. He turned to the Gentiles. He was unjustly accused and tried. He suffered unwarrantedly. But he was eventually exalted with honor and glory. He married a Gentile bride. Church, not Christ, Gentile bride. He returned to his family and was accepted the second time. Christ is coming back. And he won't, he won't be rejected the second time. And he delivered his people from death. Joseph saved thousands of people. Jesus Christ, his blood, saved and saves thousands of people by his sacrifice on the cross. One last thing that I've learned <clears throat> in listening to the, new, the, the, the Old Testament so far from Genesis 1 to Exodus 7, where I'm at now, there's one thing that I have, it has stood out clearly to me 
even through the story of Joseph. Husbands have always been unappreciative and jerks. And still are today. We struggle with that. Husbands have struggled with that from the beginning of time and still to this day. And wives have always been, had a tendency, it seems, to fly off the handle and there's just always been this there's always been this head button between husbands and wives from the very beginning still today even in our marriages today it's, it's, it's hard that's the hardest relationship and it's our closest relationship and Satan is behind that and has been from the very first couple in the garden and it will be that way until all things are made right. Satan attacks couples and families. And he has a heyday. It's like that's his toy. That's his specialty. Is tearing down relationships and families. And then it bleeds out into society until ultimately a society crumbles and falls and it happens has happened over and over and over. So I pray that in our lives, in our relationships with our wives and our husbands and with our children, that we can take these lessons that we see that Joseph learned and have enough diligence and dedication to God the Father to put him first in everything and to have the patience to maybe seek him first his grace, his mercy. Let him work through us in our relationships and maybe they'll be better. And I'm hoping that going forward this year that I can be very careful to defeat Satan and have better relationships in my family this year than I have in the past. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.